Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Global CTE Podcast, where we find amazing people in CTE who are doing amazing things so we can deliver and share those best practices. Today, we are honored to have my friend, Melissa Mulholland, who is an educator for over 35 years uh, at Jeff Tech in Reynoldsville, Pennsylvania, uh, outstanding CTE program. Uh, she was recognized as Teacher of the Year uh, in 2016. So, hey, listen, we have someone here who is really going to share with us some of the best practices that she has learned over her years. And she's also the author of The Coaching Classroom. So we're going to dig into all of that today. Melissa, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Now, fun fact for everyone who's listening, um, Melissa <laughs> is from, uh, from Jeff Tech in Reynoldsville, Pennsylvania, right? Um, and mm -hmm. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, but we met in Rome <laughs> on a trip <laughs> for educators, right? Um, yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. I absolutely remember that. That was that was awesome because we we kind of had the same philosophy about life, and uh, we talked about writing, and that you encouraged me to write my book, so and gave me all kinds of advice. So thank you. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so with that said, let's start there. Let's talk about that now. Um, I know Reynoldsville is 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 like a rural area, rural school. So yeah. in terms of exposure. I know you take students on trips. So talk to me about the importance of exposing students uh, to, to more, more things in, the, in their local community. Well, yeah, we, you know, there's three traffic lights in Reynoldsville. I mean, it's a very, very small community. And I think you and I talked before, you know, our, our school district is um, a comprehensive school um, where you get four different school districts and we're, we're talking about adding some additional ones, but right now we're, we have four different school districts that get their students bussed in and they stay here all day. So it's a comprehensive CTE. So they take their academics and their CTE programs right here in the same building. They're not bussed back and forth for you know, academics versus CTE. So that makes us very unique because there aren't too many of those uh, left, uh, particularly in the state of Pennsylvania. But um, so, and, and one of the places that they come in from is Punxsutawney. So if you've heard of Punxsutawney Phil, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I am. So, so, ground, yes, so, very groundhog, rural. so groundhog day. Groundhog day, yes. And I've, I've attended that when it's 11 below zero. So yeah, it's good time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, it's very important for our students to understand that, you know, um, there's more out there. Uh, even if you want to live in a small community, you do need to see the world to, to some degree, you know, and initially I started out just taking them to Pittsburgh to see like five short story plays and, and that type of thing to, you know, get them culturally enriched. And then in 2014, my daughter um, with Dubois School District, where she attended school, she went to um, on a trip to France, Spain and uh, Italy. And I attended with her as one of the chaperones. And when I saw what that did for those kids and how much they grew up and how wonderful it was for them to be culturally enriched that way. I said, well, I, you know, I, I've been missing the boat here. I need to offer this to my students. So I came back to Jeff Tech and I immediately offered a trip in 2016 to 
Ireland, England, and France. And then in 2018, we did Poland, Germany, Switzerland, and Italy. Um, obviously, COVID really screwed things up for 2020 because we had planned to go to New York City. Uh, that got canceled altogether, but we are doing Iceland in 2023. So, uh, you know, when you see a kid who loves art at my school standing in front of the Louvre crying because she never thought she would ever be there and, and you know, understanding the magnitude. You know, I love going, but for me, watching their faces when they see these things for the first time and understanding what, what that is leaving with them is, is so much more enriching. Um, I've had a couple students go on to college um, and they started doing some traveling with the colleges because they offer some of these um, international uh, opportunities as well. And they got the travel bug from me. So yeah, I love to watch that. I think it's really important. That's, that's, that's so special when that's really what it's all about. You know, like yeah. you, you hear people say that like, Oh, if, if I can just reach one, if I can just reach one, but those moments um, over your career as an educator and seeing um, the difference that you made uh, from those decisions of trying to expose those students to, uh, to, to new experiences that are personalized as well to something that, that they care about. That's really special. Uh, and, well, and, and then on top of that, the other, the, the other beauty in that is, um, you know, I don't think that they, they, they would have gone without that opportunity to go. And um, it, it's, it's just, it's life-changing. It really is just life-changing. Absolutely. So tell me, tell me something else. I, I think, like just trying to share best practices. So tell me something that's maybe unique to Jeff Tech um, that's, that's really working for you all. In so far, well, one of the things that we, we try to do is um, may do, we focus a great deal on integration. Even our lesson plan format, you know, has to do with how is this relevant to the student? Um, what type of interdisciplinary, um, you know, lessons are you doing? And so oftentimes, um, it, and it's hard to find time during the day to do this, but oftentimes you try to make sure that it's relevant to what the student is going to be doing for the rest of their lives. And, um, you know, with me teaching English, uh, I teach grades nine through 12 right now. Um, okay. And I've been doing that. Actually, you said 35 years. I, I had told you it was 30.5. And, oh, and I 30. think we got <laughs> It's okay, but um, that point five is really, really important when you have this much time in public education. But anyway, so um, in that period of time, I, I really think that it's important to um, make sure that you are teaching them the types of skills that they need. And the problem is, I don't think the state has really caught up with that. They're starting to, um, okay. because they still have us taking these keystone tests with the kids in 10th grade where they have to know setting and irony and characterization and all of those things are very important to anyone. I don't care where, whether you're going on to college or whether you're going right out into the world of work, everybody deserves to be culturally enriched. But how we must do it in order for them to pass that test is a little ridiculous. Um, that, those aren't the skills that a lot of our kids are going to need insofar as English goes. Um, so I focus a, a lot on you know, how to send an email how to introduce yourself. We do a whole mm -hmm. thing where the kids actually um, shake my hand and they introduce themselves and I introduce myself to them and you know, we look each other in the eye um, because that nonverbal communication is so incredibly important with kids. Um, and we, we practice that in the classroom because you know, it's, it's, that's why 
there's so much miscommunication in text messaging and emails because it's not almost, it's not usually what you say, it's 7% of what you say. Everything else has to do with body language. Yeah, let me jump, let me jump in there. So like, I, I know whether it's in the workforce or for students that they're going to start their own business, like English is not just, just writing or speaking, but it is that, it is that nonverbal piece. So talk to me about how you make that interdisciplinary connection, uh, maybe with the nonverbal with maybe something that they may, they may use in the workforce. So we practice with like um, the one student is the customer and the other student is the person who is working at the business. And, um, you know, we kind of do an evaluation thing afterwards. Would you want this person working on your car? Would you want this person fixing your computer? Mm-hmm. Would you want this person to do your hair? Why not? Well, they weren't smiling at me. They didn't seem to like me. They didn't make me feel welcome. Um, they, they had their arms crossed. Uh, their posture was bad. They lo- were looking off to the side. And, you know, we talk a great deal about all of those things. Even your phone. The phone is the big thing. You know, the kids always, they're not allowed to have the phone in class anyway, but I will let okay. them have it for this to see how many times they want, are tempted to look down at that phone because when you're looking at your phone, you are not engaged with the individual that you're waiting on or that you're, you're talking to. And they feel that and they, they don't want to go to your business or they don't want you working on their car. And so it gives them that feedback, that peer feedback too, that lets them know. And I try to pair them with people who are in their shop mm-hmm. so that, you know, that they have that firsthand knowledge of um, the expectation of communication. In, I, in I like that area. you, we, um, I just had an interview with Greg Brown, the network coordinator for CAPS, and we were talking a lot about soft skills. And I think what yes. you're really touching on is so critical for, for these kids that have grown up. They're, they're digital native, you know, like the yeah. phone, the internet, that is, that's, that's their world completely. Right. So do, do you find that challenging sometimes delivering that oh, message yeah. to them or, or do oh, they yeah. have a desire to, to learn that? Do they recognize the importance? I'm curious. I, I think they recognize the importance, but um, a, a lot of them will say things like, well, I can't do that. I have anxiety. And I'm like, well, then how are you going to work someday? Like, you know, we, we, let, let's figure out, let's come up with some strategies to get over that, you know, and, and, and get over that hurdle because you know, um, I had a friend who wrote a book and um, she was terrified at, about talking in front of people. And I said, well, if you want to promote your book, you're going to have to get over that. So okay. the more she practiced it, the better she got, you know, it, it becomes that muscle memory. So and the more we practice that kind of um, communication in the classroom, right. the easier it will be then when the student uh, graduates. So they're not necessarily receptive to it because they, they feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. even shaking my hand. And I didn't let them off the hook when COVID was going on either. I had a, I had disposable gloves. We were putting those on and we were still practicing. So, um, yeah. So I, how do I, you, I I'm, I'm, I am curious. Let me jump in on that. How, sure. that is something I'm sure a lot of educators across the country are dealing with when you're trying to impress upon students the importance of presentation skills. How do mm-hmm. you, help students get over that anxiety um to to do the public speaking or presenting in public or in the class standing up in the classroom or self-advocating 
how do you how do you help them get over that anxiety well it's a real fear and, and the biggest thing for me you know i i've never been afraid to speak or do anything a day in my life i'm you know i'm i'm the showboat person so okay. for me i had to i had to really um I had to learn that this is a real thing. You know, that was the hardest thing for me because I never dealt with it. I had to walk a mile in their shoes. But um, the first thing you do is maybe have the kid come and do a presentation just in front of me, you know, like maybe during my prep period, pull them in and have them do it just with me. And then maybe I'll add a couple teachers and then maybe I'll pull a kid and add a couple kids and they do the same presentation and you have them doing those presentations, the same presentation they start to feel more comfortable with it the more they do the presentation. And as, as you continue adding people, you know, like sometimes I start them at their desk. Maybe they'll do a presentation at their desk. And then I have them stand up at their desk. And then I have them move to the podium. You know, so, and then sometimes I have them do a group presentation so that they're not the only ones that everybody's looking at. So there's a multitude of different things that you can do to kind of uh, ease people into that whole idea. Sometimes just letting them pick the topic uh, will sometimes ease their anxiety because if it's something that they feel very comfortable with, instead of you saying, hey, I want you to do a presentation on this, if, they, if they're not comfortable with the material, then sometimes that can cause anxiety in and of itself. Mm. So. That's good. That's, that's, that's sound advice right there. I, I like how you work them up. <laughs> yeah, uh, you do. It's, a, it's those baby steps. Thing. You just have to take those baby steps. Yep. Yep. Now, I know you are, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. I know you're a part of the the leadership team at, at Jeff Tech. Talk to me about making sure you all have programs that are relevant to what the community needs. Yeah, um, you know, I was part of the building leadership team for, um, I believe it was six, seven years, and, and mm -hmm. um, uh during that time, and even with our, we have an occupational advisory committee, and I believe it's something that's mandatory for the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah, tell um, me about and that. And they meet, yeah, so that, that's something that we have in the fall and the spring, um, and it's in the evening. And um, people from the community, the shop instructors, the CTE instructors, will invite um, people from the community that are relevant to their area, uh, their area of expertise. And those people will come in. And then they go to the shop area and the shop instructor tells them what they're doing, shows them their book, their, their equipment. And those people will go over all of um, those materials and the equipment and they will advise the shop instructor because the shop instructor is no longer out in the field. So they need to make sure that they're staying up to date so that what they're teaching is relevant to what the students need for the community. Um, and so one of the things that we, I love going to these OAC meetings because I feel like I get um, you know, it kind of reinforces the lessons I teach. If I'm, if I'm standing in front of the classroom and I say, hey, this is a really important communication skill that you're going to need for the job someday, um, they might tune me out. Okay. <laughs> but if I say, um, you know, Carney Cataldo from Cataldo's Collision said that he is looking for this type of communication skill and you've got some kids in there um, Uh, sorry, I lost you. Um, if you have those, if you have kids in that class who are um, part of that auto uh, collision repair shop, they're going to perk right up. They want to work for Carney Cataldo. They hear me say that he said this. Boy, that makes it more relevant to those kids. And 
um, you know, then we can start. One of the goals at Jeff Tech is obviously to uh, try to keep kids in the community. And so we make sure that the um, CTE programs are ones that allow us to have the kids graduate from our school uh, so that we can use their talents to reinvest in our community. Um, we're constantly looking at and evaluating um, what is working and what isn't working. You know, if, if a kid comes out of our, our school, they should be light years ahead of somebody who graduated from a, a regular high school. And if they're not, um, then that program is maybe something that we need to retire and then we need to add a new program. So we used to have electrical occupations at the school. Okay. And um, then we started incorporating that into building trades because we seem to have an influx of electricians there for a while. Now we don't, and we have a need for them. So we're reintroducing electrical occupations into the building as a whole separate CTE program starting in the 2022-2023 uh, 20, school year. Um, and we have diesel, you know, we added diesel because that was something that was needed for the community. And so these, these, these occupational advisory committee people, they come in, they even donate equipment to the shop when, when the kids go out and work for their, um, in their businesses, they say, Hey, thank you so much. We've got three great workers from your school. Here's some equipment that will help get these kids ready. You know, so it's, it's a real partnership and, so and, and wonderful thing. Yeah, so it, it sounds like you all are doing a great job at Jeff Tech and and being responsive to the workforce needs like like companies what in the area who who will hire our students, people from our community, what do you need and then you yeah. prepare them um you know at, at your school for yeah. those needs. Yeah. And, and we, we try to go beyond that, too, because, um, you know, we don't want to just prepare them because it, there's so many different things that students can do. And I feel like sometimes um, they look at the jobs that are out there. We try to look at everything that they could do. You know, you okay. think that somebody who is, uh, goes into welding is only going to weld. And when I say only, I don't mean that as, as um you know, because that's a very lucrative, very difficult career. I mean, their no, textbooks are on a 12-point, uh, you know, a college-based level. And uh, these kids have to retest and test over and over again uh, when they get into different jobs. It, it's a very, very um, well-paid job. And you have, you, you have to be a sharp cookie to be able to be a welder. But people think that when you come out of there, you are welding and uh, that you're a welder. But we had a student at our school who was great with art. And they, he was also in the welding CTE program. And he ended up taking both of those skills and melding them together. And he went to New York City and he started welding some all these art projects and selling them and, and having wow. art shows and the like. So I think that sometimes you, you have to try to, to get the kids. And that's not somebody who stayed in the community, but I think it's really important for us to make sure that we are, we look at all of the different things that students can do, you know, and make sure that they have, uh, they, they aren't looking at that career and saying, well, this is it. If I go into welding, I'm going to be a welder only. And I think I, that there's, I, there's I, a I, lot I, out there. I love that, Melissa, because it is, it's, it's, it's not limiting 
a profession or limiting a skill and right. showing how like this skill can be transferable to uh, to other industries or to other, if you add something else with the welding, if you add art with right. the welding and, and make it an interdisciplinary thing, like you, like you were saying earlier, yeah. um, you really get something creative and that's special and personalized to that student. That's, that's And our awesome. shop instructors in our school are really good about that too. Like if a kid is down in collision repair and, and uh, Ms. Kerr sees that the kid really has a knack for welding, she'll send that kid to the welding shop, you know, for a period of time to join those kids to really hone that skill. Um, so they kind of work together that way. If they see somebody really blossoming in their shop, they will, you know, work together to make sure that the kid has a multitude of skills coming out. Talk, talk to me more about that. Like that, that collaboration uh, um, amongst the instructors in the school. Talk to me more about like, is is that is there a structure around that, or is it just part of the school culture where it's just an open mindedness? Like, hey, we're here to serve the students. So if you have someone that could benefit from culinary, like, send them over here. Like, or how how does that work? We we did talk about it, like making. Um, well, we don't really have nine week marking periods. That's a whole other conversation about our our grading system uh, because we we do we do tasks in our, our, um, in our um, academic classes as much okay. as they do in their um, shop classes. So we don't grade with like A, B, C, D. We, you know, I have a task in my grade book that says the student can identify the author's purpose in a piece of literature and I give them a confidence score. They're either confident or they're not. So we kind of keep that, that grading system um, across the board so that the kids, kids are acclimated to you know, what they do in shop with the task grading, can the kid weld this, can the kid change a tire, you know, the same concept is in the academic setting as well. Um, but we talked about taking those, and so it's a, it's a living uh, grade throughout the year, but if we had had nine-week marking periods, we talked about like taking uh, maybe six weeks and having a kid do this, and six weeks and having a kid do that, and we never formally did anything like that, I think our CTE instructors are really just that good that they've created that culture where, you know, if they see that a kid wants to learn something, you know, they, they see that this kid has a talent for something in their shop that kind of um, overlaps with another CTE program. They talk to the administration and they make it happen. Um, you know, our, our shop instructors are top notch um, and, and you can't, you just, it, it's wonderful to watch. It really is. Um, I I can't let you slide on that grading. So so you all so you all have I I love it because we I spend so much time uh, advocating for a a grading system that looks more like the way a job works in the real world. It's like right. you will keep your you will keep your job, you will elevate and be promoted if you demonstrate proficiency. You demonstrate that you can manage these mm -hmm. tasks and you can excel and go above and beyond, right? The same thing yeah. in the business. You will find yeah. success in your business if you are taking care of the business and showing that you are actually skilled in this area. So how? tell me more about how that, that real-world grading system works. So I piloted this program because I wanted to do this grading system desperately. Um, 
And so my, my, we had a new director come in and I told him what I was thinking. And he was like, well, I was thinking that too, but I was thinking it down the road. Do you want to pilot it? Go ahead. So um, the idea is, and this is something that I absolutely love about it. If you are looking at your child's grades yes. and it says that your child got an A on a chapter 10 test, that tells you nothing. What, mm. what's, what's on the chapter 10 test? Like, I don't know what that kid can do. He can't do. I just know that it's a chapter 10 test of some kind on maybe some book or whatever, you know? And so instead what we do is like, maybe the test would have five to 10 tasks on it. And question number one would be, um, did the student, was the student able to identify the characterization in um, uh, the Hunger Games or in A Raisin in the Sun? Uh, was the student able to identify the theme? Uh, in A Raisin in the Sun? Was the student able to identify the monologue in A Raisin in the Sun? And then um, at that point, then when that gets given back to the student, yes, they were. They're competent in that. Because you figure in the CTE program, let's say that a student has to learn how to change a tire. Okay. okay? And, and the student changes the tire and forgets three of the lug nuts. Is the shop instructor going to go, oh, that's okay, honey. We'll give you a C on that. <laughs> you pass. You pass. You want that kid changing your tire? I don't. Okay? So, so how would it is, work? So how would it work in that? How would the, the real world grading system work in, in, that, in that example? How would it work? So in that example, the teacher says, no, you're in progress, you need, which means that the kid needs to continue to hone that skill. So if they get like an IP, that means they're working on it. If they have an NA, that means they haven't even attempted it. And then once they do get it down pat, they get that put in as a competent score. They're competent in that particular skill. And so you can look at that. That, that can be printed out and given to a, an employer. And they can see the different tasks that those kids mm -hmm. mastered in their CTE program. And all of our shop instructors do that. So it only stood to reason that we would do that in our academic setting, being that we are a comprehensive school, so that the student got used to that type of grading across the board. And so in my class, instead of, you know, you looking at your kid's grade and saying, great, they got an A on a chapter 10 test, you can see my kid is competent in being able to identify the theme of a raisin in the sun. My kid is competent in being able to, and you can see exactly what they were able to do based on the task that they were, all, well, my kid wasn't confident in this. They, they need to work on. And then at the end of the year, it's great feedback for the teacher because honestly, I look and if my students are struggling, if I had, let's say I have um, 75 students and 44 of them were not competent in identifying irony in a particular text, you better believe that's on me to change the way I teach that because there's no way that number of students should not be competent in that particular skill. So it, it's, a, it's a great tool to reassess what you're doing in the classroom as well. Do, um, do, you, have a, do you all have a name for that grading system? Like how, what is that called? Is that called something? No, it's just our task list. We call the them task, task list. So, so, yeah. when you, so when you're building out um, curriculum for, for a class, you're in terms of your assessments you're breaking the you're deciding in your rubric like we're going to assess these 
these tasks, not chapter yeah. one, chapter two, but these tasks. And then right. the grading scale goes NA, not attempted, IP in progress, yeah. or, or C competent. Competent, is that right? CO for competent, yep. Yep, and then um, what, they, what you do is, let's say that you've assigned 75 tasks for the whole year. You have 75 tasks assigned. Based on the number of competent, competent tasks, that becomes a percentage for the kids. And it, it, that, we don't have nine-week marking periods. That's a, that's a living grade that just follows them throughout the course of the year. And it's also nice because then if the kid leaves halfway through the year um, or changes classes, we have the same task. Um, you know, list for some of the English classes. So you just, boop, they'd move over. I and, like and that. that. And I, I like that part too. And, and I really, you know what I really like about what you said? It's this living grade, this real world grading system with the NA, IP, and the C. It, it, it makes it easier to also kind of evaluate the teacher, like what you're saying. Like, yep. if you see something really low, then it's like, it's clear that you're, you made the approach. We should revisit the approach um, yeah. to teaching this. And, and then also I like that maybe a kid only has had one job, but now you, or has not even had a job yet. Now they can come to an employer with some limited resume, but also these things that show like, look at, uh, it may not be a certification necessarily, but it, it demonstrates uh, proficiency, competency in these particular skills, like changing the time. I, you know, if you if you run an automotive place, you may hire a kid who um, who's who has a bunch of C's in uh, all of these automotive tasks. Right. Yeah, I right. love. And it. so, like next year, I have a group of um, so far because the schedule is always subject to change. But okay. um, I, I have a group of seniors next year, um, and they're doing a, a digital. Um, portfolio, but I'm going to have them do an actual portfolio and a binder with their, um, because I know a lot of these businesses are not going to look up their digital, um, you know, portfolio. So we're going to actually have a binder with those uh, clear pages in it. And I'm going to have them, if they have a really nice task list from their CTE program, I will have them print that. Now, if, obviously, if there's a lot of IPs or NAs, we won't want to use it, but we'll kind of look at the tasks that they were able to accomplish and see if um, that's something that we want to print off and put inside there that they can show the, their um, future employer. That is, that, that, that is, that is awesome. Um, I'm yeah. curious, do any of these, like that grading system when they get a certain amount of C's or there's some certifications or, or, or how do certifications work at Jeff Tech or, any relationships there that, that you can speak to? Um, you mean in the CTE program or in? Mm -hmm. In the CTE okay, program. Okay, so the uh, tasks are separate from their uh, certification. But I think okay. once they get so many um, uh, competent tasks, then the shop instructor would say, I think you're ready to be certified to do this because you mm -hmm. have demonstrated competency in these areas. So. Um, okay. Yeah, it doesn't give them sense. it doesn't give sense. them the certification, but it it, yeah. it gives the shop instructor the feedback that they're ready to be certified. To in take it. Area. What what are all the I'm curious. What are all the offerings that you all have at Jeff Tech in terms of? Okay, so we have health assisting, 
Okay. Um, and then we have uh, digital media arts. Mm -hmm. We have computer technology. Mm -hmm. We have cosmetology. Mm -hmm. We have culinary. We have um, mach precision machining. Mm -hmm. We have welding. We have HVAC. Um, we have building trades. We have uh, collision, uh, auto collision repair. Um, we have automotive uh, mechanics. And we have uh, digital, or excuse me, we have um, diesel. Okay. And then we're adding um, electrical occupation. Wow. Wow. Is there one? So I think is I there one, Let me make sure is I there, all. How many, <laughs> I just went down the hallway there. <laughs> how many, how many students, how many students, cause, cause you pull from what, four different areas, right? So how many students do you Me all too. have? Well, we're starting to get more, like we're actually, we had to hire an assistant principal for next year because our numbers okay. are growing exponentially. Um, we, we were struggling there for a while because people were not understanding the value of um, CTE education. You know, it was always secondary to a college education and not that you can't go on to college um, by coming here. You know, we, we have advanced tracks. We have uh, many of the different offerings that they have at the sending districts as well. Um, but we're, we're, we're well over, uh, we have 510 students enrolled for next year. And, um, yeah. what ends up happening is, uh, a lot of the time over the summer, we end up getting, um, uh, more applications. And according to our principal, she did a report last night at the, um, JOC, um, meeting, which yeah. is our board meeting, um, and said that we have like 523 potential, um, that's students, awesome. and that's, that's quite a few. We were down yeah, to 390 is, at one point. So yeah. I think there's a lot of changes, positive changes with CTE. Do, do, you, do you think, is there something we can do with the messaging around CTE, career tech education, so that people, you know, that we have to sell it to or students or parents or administrators really understand the value um, in career tech education? Well, when we have, we have recruitment fairs at the school, um, you know, okay. where, where parents can come in and I have been saying for a long time, but it's, you know, obviously me saying it and implementing it are two different things. Um, but I have been asking that we do something to showcase uh, what we do. Um, like sometimes we will have kids come over. We used to have, we have tours. Um, so we have sixth grade tours. We have eighth grade tours. We have different, uh, sending districts coming in, the sending districts come in and they bring the kids in early so that they can see if mm -hmm. they're interested in it. I think it would be nice if they made something in those shops that day. And then that evening we had the recruitment fair so that they could bring their parents in to show them what they made. I think that that the parental buy-in is huge. Um, and I also think we're missing the boat on, um, you know, maybe having a list of all of the potential jobs that you could get yeah. in that particular CTE program yeah. and the salaries. Yes, yes. As opposed yes. to how much it costs to go to college to make the same thing and put yourself in debt. And I'm not saying there's yeah. anything wrong with college, but college isn't for everyone. And I think money talks. I mean, let's face it. it parents think that the only way you can get money is to go on to college because we've, we've had that drilled into our head. So we're going to have to disprove them, you know, and, and have that right in writing. I, I, I like that. If you, if a tour is set up 
where parents, kids, whatever, they come and they see, oh, students in this pathway made this. They made these things, or maybe even the students are there. You get to meet them. And then also, here are the careers that are attached to this particular um, pathway and the potential salaries or average salaries to make to make the full connection because like you said most people don't they don't know they don't know they don't the know. Depth. yeah and, and they have a limited view of like oh this this skill set or or this pathway only goes to this to this and they're thinking about that one person that they know or for you know someone who went that route and it didn't work out for it you know and then it's like right. nope let's not do that yeah um right. that's 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 really great that's really great. Um, I'm curious. Let me let me ask you this one. Um, okay. Wh- what are your thoughts on the future of career tech education? Like, what what should it look like? You know, to really prepare our students like, for success. I would like to see it set up um, uh, almost like a college campus. Uh, you know that 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 would be a dream to to set it up that way where. They're coming in, first of all, the idea that we are so focused on the, how much time they spend in the classroom as opposed to what they need to learn is, is actually asinine um, in, in this day and age, um, particularly with the idea of being able to learn online remotely. Um, I think that we should, you know, especially with our tasks, okay? So let's say I have, and I, I did this with my kids, um, until COVID hit. But what we used to do is I had a list of tasks that my kids do for English class. And some of them taught by March. And if I had a kid who mastered those tasks and had an A in my class, then why are they sitting in my class from March until May? They should be able to go and get help if they're struggling in math. They should be able to go and get use that extra time in science. Maybe they missed some school or they want to get some extra hours in cosmetology. So why shouldn't they be able to go down to their shop or go and work out? You know, I, I think I think we it, it's not so much what how much time they're spending in the classroom. It should be based on the need. Some kids are going to take 220 days to get what what I am teaching them, and another kid might get it in 120. And so we need to be setting it up so that it's kind of a, it has all these moving parts where the kids can go where they need to go when they need to go there um, and, and kind of have that type of a, a flexible schedule. I'd love like to see that. something like that. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, or, or you had to be in my class or, or continue or continue to advance the knowledge. You know, it's like, oh, if, if they've already covered that and they, they got it, Okay, well, what else? How can we go deeper? Um, right. You know, where we can maybe even get more in there. I like, I like that. So I want to touch on this before we get out of here. The coaching okay. classroom, the coaching oh, yeah. classroom. <laughs> your book here. Um, tell me, tell me about the coaching classroom. Um, life coaching techniques to raise self worth and overall student performance. How can educators benefit from from this book? Well, um, what happened with me was I, I kept trying to come up with all these innovative ways to teach my students. 
Um, you know, I even had somebody, I, I made up like, I took the song Sweet Home Alabama and I changed the words to have um, all the literary devices in it. I had a friend of mine record it and gave copies to the kids so that they could learn these techniques. And, and it worked to, you know, it, it, was, it was clever, it worked to a degree, but it still didn't have the results that I was looking for. And I kept trying to come up with better lessons and better lessons. And finally, it dawned on me that it wasn't the lessons that I needed to improve. The kids' belief in themselves that they could actually do it was huge, particularly in CTE, because as you know, we're, we're, we've been fighting a battle to get people to understand and value CTE education. So if a kid's coming over and they're, you know, they're going into them, they've been told by people that, that, oh, well, you know, you're not going to make as much money. You know, why are you going over there? And so it's about bolstering their self-worth and getting them to believe, yes, you can do this. And so I started incorporating positivity haphazardly in my classroom. Mm -hmm. And then I heard this ad for life coaching in our community. And I asked the woman, I called her and she said, well, I'll come in and, and do a presentation for your students. It was exactly what I wanted to do with them. And so she said that she was offering a class to uh, people and would I be interested in taking it? And I said, well, of course I would. And um, so I took the class thinking that I was going to learn how to help my students. And what I realized was I needed to help myself. And it wasn't that I was in a bad place or I was depressed or anything like that. It's just that I had to change my mindset about a lot of things and, and, and practice some more self-care um, to get myself in the right frame of mind to then incorporate those types of things in the classroom. So here I was thinking that I only was going there to help my students and I ended up doing a lot for myself as well. So when I started incorporating stuff in the classroom, the, the results were, you know, fantastic. 2016, 2017 school year, you know, I, I became teacher of the year. And that had only been in place since our new director came in. And, and so there were only two other people who won it before me, which was wow. huge. Um, and kids were writing me notes saying I was making such a difference in their lives and thanking me. And, and I thought, wow. And then my test scores went up, too. They went up like 8% the first year, 9% the next. It was unbelievable, the change in myself and the change in my kids. And I thought, boy, if everybody knew about this, wouldn't that be great if they could incorporate some of these things for themselves because teachers get so burnt out. I mean, we're one of the few professions that they kind of use that put on us where they say, well, if you don't want to do this for free, then you don't care about the kids. And, and you know, are you kidding me? You know, if you don't, you must not like cars if you don't want to fix them for free. Nobody says that to a mechanic, you know? And so... We have this tendency to go, okay, I'll do it. Okay, I'll do it. Okay, I'll do it. And we burn out. We get tired. We get stressed. And, yeah. and it's really important for us to take care of ourselves because we cannot be the best we can be in the classroom until we put that oxygen mask on ourselves yeah. and, and, and take those deep breaths and, and you know, take, we can be the best educators. So, so, so self-care for the teacher and incorporating positivity into the classroom helped you yeah. to transform some of the things. I love those those intangibles. Give me um, give me one strategy a teacher can use to implement positivity into their CTE classes or 
Well, um, one of the things I do is um, I start out, I showed them this video called validation and, you know, everything changes on YouTube all the time, but it, it, it's about, and the goals, people, you know, you are awesome. You're great. And so after we watch that, I start my classroom every day saying, you are great. You are awesome. You are amazing. And um, so funny because I didn't think that, you know, these, these tough kids, you know, from rural Pennsylvania really cared about that. But you can bet that if I forget, they remind me, hey, you forgot to tell us we're awesome. <laughs> and so they do, they do, they remind me. So it's something that, you know, I, I tried and I thought, well, sometimes it works. Sometimes it's working. You don't know it's working. Um, but That's yeah, awesome. I, I, even one of my former students, I, I had them keep a gratitude journal and every day they had to compliment themselves in it. And then they had to write down three things that they were grateful for. And um, I talked to a former student who's been out for probably six, seven years now. And she said every night before she goes to bed, she still writes down three things that she's grateful for. So these are, these are skills that are helping these kids not only cope and, and do well in the classroom, and, and, but it's giving them the, the coping mechanisms and, and the ability to be able to navigate their world, even beyond high school, you know, when things get really stressful <laughs> and you have yeah. kids and a job and bills and all of those things, you know, it, reminding yourself to just be grateful, little things like that. Take three that's, deep breaths, you know. It's so important. Um, yeah. um, Fawn, I interviewed Fawn Hall from uh, South Dakota, and she she spoke a lot about gratitude, too. Um, you two are speaking mm -hmm. the same language. Um yeah. Last question, because I know as we're recording this, we are moving into summer and you are the expert for the coaching classroom and you just laid out to us self-care. So so tell us what are some of your best summer self-care tips for teachers, you know, preparing to come back into the classroom recharged? Oh, OK. So um I think the best thing that you can do is, is find something that you love. Um, you know, a lot of the time, I know a lot of teachers feel guilty because they're off in the summer and they're thinking they should be working on curriculum every day and they should be doing all these different things. And you do have some teachers who like don't touch anything over the summer because they really understand that, that the importance of defragging. But I think um, the big thing is really just reflection, self-reflection. What do I want? Um, I had a friend one time, she was so caught up in what her husband wanted and what her job required and, and friends needed and what her kids needed that she was at City Park taking pictures of her daughter playing softball and this gentleman came up to her. Um, he was kind of a local guy who just kind of wandered around the park a lot and he said, so what do you like to do? And she said she couldn't answer him. She couldn't answer him. 40 years old, couldn't answer him. And I think a lot of the time we spend so much time being the best teacher and the best mom and the best friend and the best, who are you and what do you like? What, get, what makes you happy? And, you know, maybe do some of those things. Hobby, Absolutely. find something that, that, that's going to bring you joy, not what everybody else expects of you. And I know that's hard to find the time to do that. But in the summer, I'm hoping that we can maybe carve out some of those moments. Even like in the morning, I don't rush out of bed in the morning in the summer. I, you know, I, I do the thing that Oprah does where I swing my feet over and I say, thank you. 
And, you know, just that little, those few moments when I listen to the birds and I, I take those deep breaths. And I, I think it's just really important to get back to self and figure out who you are so that you never lose touch with that part of, of yourself. That was so good. Melissa, that's, that is like, wow. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm sure everyone who is listening is appreciating that little nugget of wisdom for your summertime self-care for <laughs> educators. Yeah. Uh, from my good friend, Melissa Mulholland, the coaching classroom expert. Uh, thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom that you shared with us today. How can people find you if, because um, I know you, you also do some workshops that are in alignment with yeah. the coaching classroom. So how can, if, if someone wants to get in touch with you, how, how do we go about doing it? You can go to my website. It's melissamalholland.com. And you can find all my contact information on there. Um, you can also get the book on Amazon. There's a link on my website that will take you right over there. So, yeah, that's, that's how you reach me. Outstanding. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. And thank you, everyone, for listening. If you enjoyed this thank episode, um, drop us a comment, share it with a friend, um, or reach out to Melissa and get some of that self-care in your life as well. Yeah. As we always say, <laughs> you don't have to be great to get started, but you have to get started to be great. Peace. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, Melissa.